Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Keith. Hey there. Had to switch it up this week. We're getting ready for some postseason baseball that's not Big 12 tournament. And we had to bring on voice of the Dinger Derby podcast himself. Thanks for joining us, Keith. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Nobody else answered their phone, I guess. So here we are. I'm like the D team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you noticed that when we talk about baseball on the podcast, you, you probably can't see it, but you can hear it happening. Like Michael's eyes glaze over. Yeah, he just disappears. He just vanishes. Like, <laughs> well, I've been going for like 20 minutes now. Like, what's, what's going on over there, Mike? He's like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And then at some point, he always seems to work in a, I don't really like baseball that much. <laughs> <laughs> he, he likes to remind us that he's not a baseball person. But Michael has some family in town. So we excused him, seeing as we're going to talk mostly, almost exclusively about baseball this week. That's excellent. I have a whole show talking exclusively about baseball, so I'm good with that. Yeah, of course. It, I mean, we we mention it fairly regularly. but if you, you do. I appreciate it, too. Keith has his own Texas Tech baseball podcast, the Dinger Derby podcast. I um, actually had an instant reaction national seed announcement. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't Selection Monday. Selection Monday yeah, reaction. Yeah. It came out this week, and then a little bit of a preview, which we're going to talk about as well, but we're not going to duplicate anything he said because that's just boring. <laughs> well, there was plenty of things about the uh, NCAA tournament brackets that I didn't complain about, so there's lots more to talk about oh. beyond just Texas Tech. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to tee that up then. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about uh, some Texas Tech softball because their season came to an end. Uh, was early mid last week i remember i remember watching it i don't i think it was over the weekend yeah it was it, they were in the the regional mm-hmm. against lsu and baton rouge they were actually in the, the championship game lsu louisiana tech and somebody else i can't remember that fourth team i'll look those up and i'm pretty sure it happened the exact same way when we brought it up last week in the podcast like <laughs> i know it's, it's texas tech lsu louisiana tech and and then michael was like looking it up um, we're going to talk a little bit about, or we're going to mention the, the track success. They had some national prelim, or they had a, a preliminary meet this past weekend. Had just an absolute monster showing. Have a bunch of people qualifying for the national uh, meet, which I think is this weekend in Austin, or next weekend. Monmouth. It, Monmouth. There that was the other, the other team. Well, they didn't make it out, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. That national track meets coming up. Um, the ranking authority for for collegiate track teams uh, posted Texas Tech as a number one men's track and field team currently. 
Um, and then of course we're gonna we're gonna dive into some. Do you know that national authority, by the way? Because it's, it's got, the worst acronym of all time. That, that's why, that's why I'm pausing. It's like it's got like six or seven letters. It's in USTFCCCA. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what any. I mean, US is obviously TF track and field. CC cross country. No, because that's not a thing in in, in college. It's not no, a, it is. Cross country is a thing. Well, I, I know it's a thing, but like I didn't know if it was an organized same organization. I'm doing a lot of googling tonight. Yeah, we we're super prepared, guys. That is cross country. You're right. All right, so United States U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association. Coaches Association. I mean, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Neither does the it, acronym. It, it looks kind of Russian with all the C's. <laughs> yeah, there's or a Soviet maybe. There's a bunch in the middle. Um, and then we're going to talk about some some baseball. Uh, Big Twelve tournament recap. Very briefly, more more or less, or I guess. I think I want to get your take on like the format of the tournament more than okay. what happened because um, we all know that Texas Tech did better than they had for a while yeah. this past weekend. They won three games. Um, but the format w- w- was wonky. You mentioned that you touched on it in your episode. They had a lot of – they spent a lot of time on the air today, local shows, mm-hmm. talking about it. I want to get your thoughts on that. Then we'll talk about Selection Monday and then the, sorry, Selection Sunday, Monday, those two days with all the stuff that came out. And then, um, I guess look at, look ahead to the, this weekend's regional preview. But first. Let's do it. Look, there's one sport I failed to mention and it's, it's football. There's one juicy tidbit of news that came out on Friday. One of those news dumps at like 457. On a Friday afternoon before holiday. Oh, that's like when the Pentagon releases bad news <laughs> at the end of the day on a Friday. Oh, by the way, you all lost your jobs. <laughs> yeah. No, this is actually somebody being hired. Vernon Mount Vernon High School. Oh, yes. That happened. I thought this was about Texas Tech football. Because there is a little news about Texas Tech football I wanted to mention. Okay, we'll get there in a second. Okay. Art Bryles was hired back into Texas football. The, yes. the world of Texas football. Back into high school football. Art Bryles, of course, I mean, everyone knows he was at Baylor, but he also was a state championship coach at Stephenville High School. Mm-hmm. And so for him to be back in the high school ranks, Mount Vernon is in East Texas, kind of halfway between Dallas and Texarkana is how I would describe it out there. Saw a couple of clips today on Twitter, interviews with the superintendent. It's really and, crispy. I think most <laughs> most people probably know that I work for a school district. And so I can say from my perspective, I can't imagine a superintendent making this hire and knowing the storm that is coming his direction uh, unless there was just a lot of people in the community and on the school board that wanted to make it, you know, that felt like it was what they wanted to do. And so he was facing down some, um, I'm sure, you know, Dallas media folks, and they had some pretty pointed questions and he answered them the best he could, I guess. But something else you kind of learn about small towns, they don't they don't care what big city thinks, you know. So he wasn't there to entertain them. He was there to just do his job and tell them to get away. And I think that their thought process is, we're going to win football games in the fall. So it's been interesting to watch, that's for sure. I mean, you have to know the firestorm is coming if you're going to be you, the school that does that. You would certainly hope so. Uh, and it's not like – I'm not familiar enough with Mountain Vernon to know the size of that district. I'm sure it's fairly small, but like – Usually you, you wouldn't like 
you wouldn't just throw your superintendent out there to take fire. Like you, you have some kind of PR person like, Hey, you know how to bridge these questions and kind of redirect. But like the questions of, Hey, did, did you reach out to Baylor? No. <laughs> did you try to make contact with any of the, of the victims? No. Like, but then they, they try to say that they vetted Bryles to the best of their abilities. Like, well, did you though? Yeah. They talked, anyways, they talked to his friends. That's basically <laughs> what he said. We talked to some of his references yeah, I'm going to go with Mount Vernon at least being a 2A school district, maybe three. They, they only have. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Have the elementary, middle, high school, so I'll I'll dig a little deeper to see what their classification is. But the the other thing we want to talk about before we get going, um, I tried to nail Keith down on what his his personal walk up music would be. That's been a theme we've talked about. I think it started a couple weeks ago. Michael and I kind of went through, um, I guess just like that the top one hundred list. And then uh, after the TCU series, when I was introduced to Big Bad John, uh huh, yeah, for some reason, like, like, had no idea about the story, yeah, or just like that they played that for him, and yeah, that was a cool story, and I meant to cover that on my podcast, and I just, I just forgot, but they asked him about it in a post game press conference, I think, or in, or media availability, and I just thought it was really neat because if if y'all don't know, they play Big John when. Uh, when John McMillan comes up to warm up on the mound because his grandfather called him Big John. And so it's kind of an homage to his grandpa who passed away recently, you know, remembering him, they play Big John for him. I thought that was neat, you know, Mm -hmm. that he's a guy that, you know, John McMillan's a guy that's, he's always kind of dressed up, his hair's always done, you know, he's a good looking dude. And you kind of get that little bit of a vibe from him. So to, to see the more emotional side, I thought was pretty cool, you know, as a player to see that that motivation up there and he's having a really good second half of the season. So if that, if that kind of motivation and stuff's working for him, I'm all about it. But I thought that was neat. Yeah. So we started prepping for this podcast. I should say prepping before we hit record. I was trying to get Keith to commit to a song, had it figured out where I wanted to hit play, hit record. He's like, no, I don't want to do that one. Just do that one. It's he, fine. He, he did tell me beforehand. It's like he has a hard time picking favorites. I'm not good at picking favorites. If you're a Seinfeld fan, when they go on the trip and George shows up with like eight bags, and he says, "I dress in moods," like that's my life. I dress in moods. I wear hats in moods. I listen to music in moods. I'm not really big on on favorites. Texas Tech is a favorite. That's one of the few things I can just say yes, favorite all the way across. So I, we got him to commit to feels just like it should by Pat Green. So, which is ridiculous. Like that's not a good walk-up song, but I like the song, and I was listening to it when I pulled up here earlier. So, why not? Yeah. So, d- just imagine you're sitting back. Uh, the the previous batter <laughs> reaches base. 
And then uh, I and then I hit on the pitcher with my walk-up music. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> and then Keith Patrick up to bat. We'll go flying down the highway with my arm around you, singing bone run. It feels just like it should. I mean, I was trying to think, when you step in the box, you want it to feel just like it should, you know? I don't really want to go on a road trip with the pitcher with my arm around him or anything, but, you know, whatever gets in his head. (laughs) So I might wink at him, Field of Dream style, when I get up there. Nice. It kind of reminds me of, like, the mind games, like, when they they would play, like, Pantera Walk. You walk up, you're like, and they play that song. Yeah. You're going to walk me. It's good. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you want to hear Michael's and I, I think it's two or three episodes back. Um, Keith, thanks for for picking out a song. You're welcome. It feels I'm, just like it should. Yeah, I'll change my mind before I finish this sentence. I think probably. And I'm sure we're going to hear about how terrible of a walk up song that is. Oh yeah, yeah, it's awful. I know it is. That's fine. <laughs> I don't care. I do. I do like Pat Green. I can give him that. That one of my first my fir- one of my first favorite artists in college was Pat Green. Got to see him back in the day. Like it. Midnight Rodeo. Yeah, so I would say one of my favorite bands or artists was a group I saw perform live. And I didn't know much about them before going to this concert. When I was, it was when I was um, an intern for Visit Lubbock. We were, I wouldn't say covering, but we were staffing the, the street concert that they did downtown. Oh, yeah. I still use the Live Love, Live Love Lubbock hashtag when I'm at Blue Light for street concerts. So they started that like right before I left. Okay. Um, but no, so it, it was that year um, and Group Love played. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd never really heard of them before. Our, our social media guy was like, oh, you need to listen to these people. They're, they're great and we're gonna, we're gonna, they're going to be here. But like I probably wouldn't normally have listened to them, but like having seen them perform and like mm-hmm. and taking the pictures, like, man, I kind of dig them. Yeah, my my little brother is a he was always like a punk kid. Like he was always into punk. And when he came to Tech, we had a cousin here and we both kind of drug him with us one time to Wild West to see a Roger Crager concert, which back in those days Roger Crager was I mean like the most high energy show in Texas country. Like he's playing he's playing trumpet and harmonica and he's spinning his hat on his finger and he just was like he just worked hard up there. It was fun. It's still fun. And I mean, all of a sudden, this little kid, like always wearing Sugar Cult t-shirts and listening to the Ramones all the time, is a huge <laughs> Roger Crager fan. So nice. yeah, sometimes you see somebody live and it'll totally change your your taste and perception. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about a little bit about softball. Yep. Tripped up there. Their season came to an end last week. Uh, finished the season 42 and 16, 8 and 10 in the Big 12. Like we said, they were eliminated in the championship game of the Baton Rouge Regional um, facing off against LSU. They played them three times. They did, yeah. And unfortunately lost two of three. Those were the, the two losses they needed to be eliminated. Um, went three and two in that regional. So they, they played as many games as you could. Uh, they had the same result as the Texas Tech baseball team in the Big 12 tournament, went three and two and lost. Had they won that final game, against LSU would have advanced to the Supers, um, which would have been first time in program history. I think it was only the fifth time in program history they were in a regional. Does that ring a bell? Possibly. I think it was the fifth. I, I yeah. think I read that 
in the notes. They had a great season. They and, did. E- and even though that Big 12 record wasn't wasn't fantastic there at the end, I mean, they started really hot. What was like 22 and 0? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, and in, and in softball you play like 10 different tournaments. Like it's just constant tournaments. Some of them are bigger teams. They played the Japanese national team at one of their tournaments. But they um I think the most interesting thing with them is they still went into the regional rank 15th in the country. So they still were kind of garnering respect, which you didn't really, you know, you kind of, you fall down a little bit in, in conference play, but you're still getting the respect. They were getting some sweeps. I mean, mm-hmm. they really, they were salty. It was fun to watch. I mean, I'm not a guy that watches a lot of softball, but I really I, enjoyed watching that weekend. Th- there were several of us, like, talking about the softball games on the Slack chat and then jumping on the, the broadcast and watching them. I hadn't watched any Texas Tech softball this year until this past weekend. I watched probably a couple of hours over the weekend of, of them playing I watched exclusively against LSU. I watched two, if not three, entire games. I think I think I watched at least two entire games and, and maybe some extra. I mean, they were it was great. They were really fun to watch. And, you know, coming from a baseball background, you're trying to compare, and there's really not a comparison. It's wild. I mean, yeah, because the, the the field is smaller. The the infield plays happen so much faster. So fast. I mean, just to put out like just like a six three put out is a plus play to get the out because everything's so small. And I can't imagine as a pitcher standing up there like forty five feet away from somebody that's just smoking balls. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like a like a, a little league field almost. Yeah, and then you only have three pitchers on your team, and so. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Edmondson pitched like over 400 pitches that weekend, <laughs> well, yeah, so which is still remarkable. Like even in softball, that was a really high number, but it was unbelievable. I mean, they would go pitch a complete game and then come in and be like a deep reliever later that day. <laughs> the day yeah, yeah, the second game. Yeah, because I think when I turned it on, um, it, it gave the pitch count for Edmondson so far over the weekend. It was like pushing 300. I was like, is that normal? Yeah, right. <laughs> like that seems like 300 pitches seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it seems excessive. Like, and, and what they said, and, and I didn't know this either. I mean, you talk about the arm and the shoulder and it's like a more natural motion so you don't get as much fatigue. But what the announcers were saying, it's the legs. And they were they were bragging on both her and Missy Zoak who saw most of the uh, action for Texas Tech, Aaron Edmondson and Missy Zoak, how the, their legs holding out was so impressive that they're still throwing these pitches with velocity and you know command and control and everything because that's what you're really using you know to pro- propel the ball. I'm like acting it out like I know how to throw a softball. Right? <laughs> I could slow pitch I could, it. I I, was, I, I, could, I probably couldn't even slow pitch. I, I'm okay. I mean, I've I've done it. I've been tossed in there to be the pitcher <laughs> in slow pitch. And there's some guys that wear softball gear out there. I mean, they do the mask and like. They wear like pads Dude. under their uniform because you're you're not far. So for for some reason, it came up as a recommended video. It was like a Team USA versus Canada men's oh slow pitch softball. <laughs> On one of those days, I was like, "Sure, why not?" Yeah. <laughs> and I watched this game. I was like. One, these dudes at like forty five are jacked. Oh yeah, with a giant beer belly, <laughs> but they are like cranking home runs at like 400 feet uh it's like dang these guys are like they don't look athletic but then they're like it it was it was surprising let me just put it that way yep no i agree uh so on the year adrian gregory finishes with um best season win percentage at 0.724 
the 42 wins marks the second highest win total in program history. So I couldn't tell you a whole lot about the, um, the roster and what that's going to look like going forward, but you would think uh, building on success is something that, that we can look forward to. I mean, this was her fifth season, so you have to give her credit that she's continued to build and build and build. And then when you start having success, you know, you start getting the recruits and things like that. And I think they did it on a really big stage because LSU has gone to a ton of these supers in a row. And so, and they're a, they're a huge program, which also they had the worst super fan I've ever witnessed in sports. I, I he sat right behind home plate. Awful with his giant wrestling belt buckle and his just shenanigans. That was one thing that wore me out. Like the cheers and the ribbons in the hair and the <laughs> uniforms and the face paint and all the they did some really like they had like I mean, some of those girls look like they were about to launch, you know, an F eighteen off of an aircraft carrier or something <laughs> when they're just telling the outfield there's two outs. You know, I'm like, there's a whole dance involved and yeah. But no, it was really impressive what they did. They were, in just to recap, they, on the Friday night against Louisiana Tech, they won three nothing. They come back Saturday afternoon and they lose five to four in a thirteen inning game. So they almost play two games because yeah, keep in mind they play seven innings. I watched that one. I actually, I think I left and my wife was watching it. Uh, there might have been Tech baseball, and then they come back and they play again that night against Louisiana Tech and win three one. And then they go win the afternoon game on Sunday, five four against LSU to force that final, you know, winner take all. I mean, it was awesome. It was it was it was fun. They lost one five finally. I mean, but you had you had pitchers going. I mean, you pitched two games at one time basically, and then turn right back around and pitch again that evening, and it was just wild. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, you had two games where you played two games in a day. Yeah, and and then and then a thirteen a, a inning thirteen one. inning game. So mm-hmm. he, I mean, the the five games you played, it was really six. In like three days or two yeah. days. Yeah, and then it's a heartbreaker because you lose it by a run. You know, I th- I think they got walked off, and then you turn right back around and do do it again, and you get a win. Yeah. So congrats to the softball team. Look forward to Adrian Gregory in her her sixth season going forward. Um, and then we mentioned as we were opening up, the track had the prelim meeting. Uh, meet not meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got that on my. Um, they ended up, the men's team ended up having 19 qualifiers for the national meet coming up this weekend in Austin. They had two for the women. Um, and and because I, I know very little about track and field, I, I picked out some of the, I guess, more notable performances. One was the 4x100. The men's team ran a 39-second flat, which is just, that's stupid fast. Yeah, that that 4x100 group is is wild. I think yeah. there's there's big stuff ahead for them. That's got Andrew Hudson, Divine Odadur, and a couple other guys uh, I, I don't have listed here. Um, and then those two both ran and qualified in the men's 200 meter. Uh, Hudson actually ran faster than Odadur. He ran a 20.04, and Divine Odadur ran a 20.08. And I think I remember from the tweet from Texas Tech, the 20.04 is the fifth fastest time in the world this year for a 200. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So, fun fact, family brag. My sister ran track at Texas Tech, and her senior year she was a national qualifier in the 3000 steeplechase, which is like which a is what? It is a horse race that's been modified for humans. Like it is it is a hardcore long distance race, so you run, I mean it's on the track, but on the uh you do the like long distance hurdles. 
uh, down the straightaways, and in the corners you jump over like a big stationary hurdle into a pit of water and have to come back out of that. So there's lots of like stride timing and stuff that goes on. Plus it's long distance. So you're having to maintain it's a, it's kind of a cool race to watch. I'm not gonna lie. I've watched a lot of track in my days. Thanks to my sister. From wiki, the steeplechase is an obstacle race and athletics uh, derived from the horse race. The foremost version of the event is the 3000 meters. And the picture has the, the athletes jumping over that last hurdle into the, the water, into the water. That's on the turns. Yeah. That's it's wild. I mean, it, it really is. She was ranked. She was world ranked at one point. So when she graduated, cool. she went to the nationals and graduated from tech and moved to Indianapolis to do some training for the Beijing Olympics. And she got injured and life goes on. But that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, none of us want to go to China anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there are 19 qualifiers from the men's team. I, I think the story I read from Texas Tech, there's just two women's. And I think one was a, um, it was a long jump or a triple jump. I, I get them confused. I think it's triple. I feel like they have a triple jumper that's that's pretty salty. And then it was, uh, I think it was a thrower. Yeah, that I don't was know. Second, like, I, I don't I'm think, just going to be guessing at this point. I'm, I'm guessing here too. Or I'm trying to remember an article that I skimmed. Anyways, okay. I do have some women's track news from the Lubbock area, though, for okay. that, uh, that does apply to Texas Tech. So Sarah Tackett, a senior at Friendship High School, won the 6A state – um, pole vault. She jumped 12 feet, nine inches at six A. So won the state championship and she's committed to Texas tech to come jump next year for West Kitley. Very cool. Yeah. It's always neat when you see hometown people, you know, kind of hang around and go compete at a high level, which I think you see more of as tech continues to be, you know, kind of dominant in some things. Do you know if she's originally from the area or she's just, yeah, she is. Yeah. She, she's started out at friendship and, and has gone through her whole, her whole career there. It's even better. All right, baseball. Okay. This past weekend. I know that. I, I pretend like I know it. I, 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 <laughs> I, I can talk more about it than Michael can, McDonald. Um, I, I, don't, I don't follow the professional because I, I think Labar would just turn the, the conversation to professionals. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't really I'll be totally honest with you. I don't watch MLB either. I keep up with the Rangers as much as I can, but I'm really pretty laser focused on Texas Tech right now. I, every time I, I try to look look at the Rangers, I feel like I know so little about the roster. I was like, I don't even know where to start. Like I yeah, like I know Elvis Andrews because he Andrews he's been there for forever, and I know, you know Shin Shin Su Chu Shin Su Chu yeah. I know Joey Gallo yeah. I know Odor, but like the rest is like they're new. Like especially the the starting pitching rotation. Like I don't yeah. know any of them. Yeah. So like when I see their name come up, like oh, oh this dude Matt Miner starting tonight. I was like. I know from kind of falling like he's probably their best. He's their ace right yeah. now, but like I don't know. <laughs> he's their best. That. I don't know if he's an ace. <laughs> well, he's the number one for the Rangers. He's the number one. Yeah. Hey, um, they're over five hundred after fifty games. I know that, or right around five hundred. Hey, so on, on pace to win eighty. Yeah. So hey, hey whatever. <laughs> they're. Uh, I keep up with them. To, I mean, I try to pay attention. My deal is, I I pay so much attention to tech. And then we walk out of the tech season, hopefully, you know, at the end of June. And there's yeah. so much of the MLB season gone. I'm like, well, I don't want to jump in now. Yeah, like you, you get out like, oh, look, it's the all-star break. Well, and then I start <laughs> thinking about football, you yeah. know. Well, because at that point, you're like, man, we're just like a, a month away from football yeah. camp. And- well, and uh, the other side of it, too, and I saw a meme after the Super Bowl. And, I mean, I hate to admit it because I like baseball a lot. But 
you know, after the Super Bowl, the first conversation you have is like, who's going to get drafted and what's happened, like, and the, the schedule's released for next season. After the World Series, you never want to see another baseball game ever again in your entire life. And when, when spring training comes, you're excited. But, I mean, it, it's long. The MLB season is a slog. It, it, it takes some, some recovery after the MLB season. Um, so it was funny. On, I, I can't remember which show it was, but it was Zach Logston today mm-hmm. was talking about. I think that's the end of the bench. Is that right? Well, so I, I don't know if he would, if it was a show he was producing or oh, if it was okay. a show he was, yeah. he was co-hosting. But he, he was talking about the the space between base, or, sorry, between basketball and football season, uh-huh. and he phrased it that way. He's like, we're, we're in this time between basketball season and football season, and like he's like, otherwise known as baseball season, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a big deal because you know this is. And I'm sure Labar would remind us that that indoor ice soccer is going on right now as well. I couldn't care less. I know, me neither. Well, Never I mean, have. I, I, I only paid attention to it because my mom dated a guy from Pittsburgh. <laughs> A, like the same time that the stars won their that is their a Stanley that's Cup. a roundabout one. Like, I like that. That's well, good. so like like he got as interested like because he was he was way big into <laughs> into hockey. Yeah, right at the same time the stars were really good, and that following fall the stars were doing like their their local tours and they brought the Stanley Cup to my elementary school. So I, I saw it up close. It didn't mean anything to me. Right. I was like, okay, that's cool. The stars on hockey, whatever. Um. But yeah, man, it's baseball season. I uh, the height of college baseball season. I would compare that to soccer and the World Cup. When I worked at Texas Tech, it was the last time the whole "we believe that we will win" thing and all that. And so I got in. Like I watched. I kind of learned a little bit about it. And I told my soccer loving friends, like, "Hey, I want to be a soccer fan now. Like, I want to stick with this and keep up. What do I? Who do I watch?" And they tell me, don't watch any of Major League Soccer because it's just hot garbage. And I'm like, all right, well, where do I watch good soccer? And they're like, well, the World Cup's the best you're going to get. I'm like, well, I don't want to watch anything worse, so I'll just (laughs) wait for the next one. (laughs) And I'm certainly not going to be cheering for some European team. Yeah, so I that was 2014, right? Sure. Yes, because didn't... No, no, it was 2012. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds right. (laughs) Didn't they not make it last time? Did the men, like, not get anywhere? Yeah, so they're they're not. Yeah, whichever World Cup it was, I was a student at Tech. It's probably the same time you were talking about it. Um, I remember because it was in South Africa, the timing of the games. Like when I was in summer school, uh-huh. like we were following the games or matches, excuse me, on our phones. Oh, they're not called games. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure it's called a match. I'm, I, I have know. no idea. I know that the field is called a pitch. Yeah, and it's yeah. big. Yeah, it's large. Um, but like, I, I remember in my geology lab following a game long enough so I could get back to the apartment and turn the game on. Okay. But like, it was a summer. Obviously, it was a summer class. Um, and I graduated 2012, so I, I think it was that summer, summer of 2012. Man, I have no idea. Because I know it was uneven years. It's every four years. 12, 16. See, I 12, thought it was 20. 14. Let's see. I, I wouldn't have been in that. And I have no idea. Whatever. No, no, because because it was twelve. It was twelve. <laughs> because I remember watching in twenty sixteen. I was at my job in Hobbs. Okay. And I I, I just started there, and I was spending an, an inordinate amount of time at work watching World Cup soccer, <laughs> <laughs> closing my door like. Shh, shh. All right. Okay, baseball. Baseball. <laughs> All right. Big Twelve tournament was this past weekend. Uh, your Red Raiders ended up finishing out 
three and two on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, beat Kansas State game one, lost to West Virginia game two, beat Kansas game three, and then lost to no. You beat West Virginia and then you lost to West Virginia. You played them three times. Right. Um, the three wins is the most you've done since you won the tournament. And what was that like? 98. 98. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, um, this is directly from your episode, the Texas Tech as the one seed playing in the semifinals is the first time that's happened in like 10 since, years. Since 2009, yeah. Because most one seeds, at least in the Big 12, have their situation pretty well set in terms of yep. regional and beyond. They don't need the the boost from winning the tournament or doing super well to to get them a host position. Um, West Virginia ends up winning the tournament against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Sorry, mm-hmm. I blanked no, on you're that good. for a second. Um, so probably as much recap of the tournament as, as I want to do, besides probably talking about Hunter Dobbins, because his start in the final game against West Virginia was surprising in that he hadn't pitched or, you know, he hadn't been a starter for, what was it like, what they throw it like a month or whatever they said he he hasn't pitched in thirty days and right it had been a little while he had pitched a little bit in relief but and I wanted to go back Oklahoma State actually won the the tournament they beat they beat West Virginia <laughs> see what do I know no no it, no I, it, the only re- that's the only reason I brought it up because of that win things got a little bit hot in the conversations about what was oh, going to happen yes, in the right. in, on Selection Monday but yeah Dobbins was Dobbins was strong there was a lot of really big positives for the Red Raiders. The loss game to West Virginia was just trash. I mean, it was like, I mean, they got one hit as far as I know. I mean, it was not good at all. That was the first loss to Manoa, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was Manoa and he didn't go complete. So you had, right, but it, it was, was a combined one hitter, but yeah, they just, they just shut you down. It was a shutout. I mean, it was um, what? Two to nothing. Is that not right? No, that was the last game. It was, it was one five. It was just a, just a trash game, and they but scored late it, to push it deeper. Yeah, you know, I was about to say, it, wasn't it pretty close until pretty late in the game? It was, it just, yeah. It just, but it's so hard to care, you know, because the the tournament stinks. It's in a terrible location. Even though Bricktown's great, Oklahoma City's a, a fun place to visit, but nobody goes to. Even the Oklahoma team fans don't go to these <laughs> games, and that was what I noticed as I'm, you know, when I'm doing my scorebook, and you can look up after the game and get the attendance. You know, announced attendance at six thousand. I mean, that's a lie. Like, it's not even close. You know, there's nobody there, and all you're doing. And I hate to. And that's what I said on my show. I hate to admit it. You know, you give West Virginia. They play their way into a host. Is what they did. You know, they got to host in the NCAA tournament because of this, most likely. Oklahoma State almost plays themselves into a top eight national seed by winning the thing, but it means nothing. It it just doesn't. And I I just the Pac-12 doesn't even have one. Their automatic qualifier goes to their regular season champion, which when Oklahoma State fans are sitting on Twitter and complaining and saying Oklahoma State should jump Texas Tech because they won the the tournament. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, after a season of work and we smoked you, you know, you got completely blanked. And then you want to you want to say that that you deserve to jump up. But they did jump up. They jumped up to the nine seed and now mm-hmm. Tech's matched with them in the super. So I <laughs> I just I get it from the Big Twelve standpoint, like let's give our teams an opportunity to add to their resume. But when it comes to baseball in general, it's just a throwaway. And they complain about the season, 
and it's starting too early and wanting to move it back, you want to move it back, get rid of conference tournament time, you know, and just eat up that time and start the season two weeks later. Yeah, so to, to, to your point about the, the conference tournaments not meaning anything, like if you look at other conferences and the teams that made it out, so like Louisville went right. 0-2, right? Yep. Um, and then the way the SEC tur- tournament... And still somehow ended up seated above Texas Tech. Which we, we, we talked about that, I think, last week. We looked at their, their resumes like... They're, oh, dude, their it, non-conference it schedule match. was horrible. Yeah, yeah, like 150s. They had lost some big series down the stretch. They Yeah, two in barbecue at their conference tournament, and you're a seven seed. And then Florida, not that they're a national seed, but the SEC tournament starts off single elimination, and they lost their first game. Yeah, they were the 11 seed, and they lost to number six seeded Texas A&M. And A&M's been a good team this season from a pitching standpoint. They don't have a lot of bats. But, I mean, I don't even know how – they could make a case, but I don't even think they should be in a tournament, much less a three seed in a regional. It doesn't, it, I don't get them. You know, there's a lot of teams like that this year, though, or a few at least Florida State, TCU. I mean, there's some surprises. So, aren't most four seeds like automatic qualifiers from yeah, really small? Teams? Almost always, yeah. So, you couldn't really give a, a, a power five team a four seed. Uh, without saying like you guys really suck, but like your name on the front of your jersey says Florida, and you probably yeah, that's why they're can't. in. Yeah, they're 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 it's what uh, like Bill Simmons on their podcast they call them sticker games, like helmet sticker games. You know where you have a really great like Mac game that you can't watch on TV because there's some trash like Bama and nobody that they're going to beat up on that Chattanooga week. State. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're play through by the week before you know rivalry week or whatever. And that's what some of that is. I mean, Mike Martin, 40 years making the NCAA tournament, never sniffed a college world's or never sniffed a national championship. Final season, got to put him in. You know, Florida State's resume is abysmal, but yeah, <laughs> throw him on in there. You know, TCU bumps out a really good Texas State team, you know, and, and other teams that you could make, you could make conversation. You know, TCU beat Houston head to head, so they give TCU the last in spot. I mean, they're. They're trash. <laughs> They're not good. They haven't been good all season. No, Florida haven't. State either. Same thing with Florida. And that was a that's what gets frustrating too, because the committee will come out like last year and say, conference record. That's the biggest to it. Gotta be over five hundred in your conference. Gotta play well in the conference. Yada yada yada. And then Florida has a losing conference record. Florida State has a losing conference record. TCU. They lose and for one team, they'll say, Well, they got in because they won five conference series. But then the next team down the line as you know, only one half of their less than half of their conference games, and they're good to go. No big deal because they play quality competition. With TCU, they actually said past success went into their decision. That doesn't, so, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you nostalgically made four <laughs> College World Series in a row, and then you so that you know, means you deserve to be in this. Yeah, year. yeah, exactly. It makes no sense. No, not at all. I, I can't. Ugh, whatever. And they didn't. I mean, it's not all bad. Like, but there are always those few. You're just like, really? What? Yeah. So, continuing with that really what theme, let's talk about the Big 12 tournament format. Ugh. <laughs> because there is a, a, a kind of a double advantage built into the team, the two teams that go 2-0 and o to start the tournament, right? Right. So, they play Wednesday, Thursday, they're off Friday. Mm-hmm. Then they have to be beat twice on Saturday. Yes. So, one, they're, at, they're one game behind their pitching, or, or ahead in mm-hmm. their pitching rotation. They're on a day of rest. Yep. Um, and you're forcing the other team into a into a doubleheader. A, a doubleheader where, yeah, you have to beat them twice. Yeah. Um, 
would you change the, the, the tournament format? Because there was... Yeah, let's burn the whole thing down. <laughs> no, yeah, I would. So it was Jamie today, Jamie Lent from Double T 97.3, threw out the idea of once you get to Saturday, it's that matchup to play into the championship game is a single elimination. The, the championship game is already single elimination. I mean, you're already giving right. that up. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a regional. You know, it's not a four-team tournament where it makes sense for you to have to, you know, two out of three or whatever, double elimination. There's eight teams in there. Like, you've got to – Yeah, it's like two regionals. Yeah, you got to eliminate people a little bit quicker, and you need to move them through because, yeah, you still get your day of rest as a benefit that they didn't get, but you don't have to make – I mean, making them beat you twice is – it's a little much, I think. Yeah, because for, for a team that loses a game – that could possibly win the tournament, they have to play six games in five days. Yep. Going into like games that actually matter, like less than a week later. Well, it's baseball. So also, so you're like, hey, you lost the first game. Now we're gonna punish you and make you basketball your way through here and just <laughs> never lose again. You know, where baseball's not that kind of sport. That's why it's a long season sport. So make it a little a little bit more forgiving. You know, you can give the advantage to the team that doesn't lose and still have a reasonable opportunity for a team that does. It makes it more interesting. Is I the think. day off enough of a reasonable advantage, or, or, or should they still? I think it is. Okay. I think it's reasonable. When you don't get a day off and they did, I mean, I don't know. I mean, some coaches could complain. Anybody could complain about it one way or the other. Oh, we got cold. Our bats got cold. Or we're sitting around, you know, going to the water park or whatever they're doing. Waiting on the, the rain delay. What did, what did Tadlock say that they did? They went to Golden Corral one time, and they showed back up at the ballpark 30 minutes before first pitch in one of those situations. I'm probably like... He's a national treasure. That's what he is. Yeah. So, <laughs> speaking of, really quick, speaking of national treasure, they did one of those, like, in-dugout, mid-game uh, interviews. And, like, 30 seconds, and he's like... He punished them Guys, all. you know that, like, they're, they're waiting <laughs> on us, right? And, like, took the heads. He off. punished them on all of them. That was one of them, and I'm convinced, because he's a deadpan guy, I'm mm-hmm. convinced that he just did that as a bit. When he's like, I can't hear you. No, no, I can hear you. You can't hear me. You know, and like he just ran him around until he took the headset off. And then, yeah, the next game, the, you know, they're waiting. Because they asked him one question, and then the color guy wanted to hop in with the question. He's like, you know, they're waiting on us, right? <laughs> Pull his helmet off and left. It's amazing. I All would right. try to get out of every one of those. I think those are stupid. And, and it gets even worse during postseason play, like real postseason play, when ESPN's over there getting – who was it last year? They're getting like Michael Davis or Davis Martin to teach this girl how to blow a bubble. You're like, show me the baseball game. I really don't care about the the antics that are going on in the, the dugout <laughs> yeah. while there's meaningful stuff. Like, do it during like a, 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 an inning break. Like, yeah, in like, like middle inning. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. But like, no, no, there, there's, there's action going on in the field. I hate it because I, I I think it was a break like that where we missed Cam Cam Warren's home run. Yep. That they were coming back talking about some dude's mustache. They were talking about a mustache. Yes, they were. And, and you they, miss you miss the dinger. Yep. Yeah. So like, if you look at the Texas Tech highlight video, the angle they have is like it's a replay angle because it's the only angle they had. Like uh, they don't have a broadcast angle to go off of. Ridiculous. Um, okay, so selection Sunday happened. Monday. Monday. Well, yeah. That gets hard because it's so selection Sunday is what you're so used to saying from basketball. But. And I've, I've got it written in this selection Sunday slash Monday. Gotcha. Um, oh, yeah, because Sunday they do announce the, the hosts, too. Yeah. They, they, they announce the regional sites. Um, so they, they used to just rank, order the top eight, and then say, here here the second group of eight. That yeah. changed recently, correct? Last year, I think, was the first year. So that they, they rank all 16. Mm-hmm. Which was 
loudly called for in baseball. People wanted to know kind of where you fell. I I don't disagree with that until we get to the point where like you get the weird super regional alignments uh-huh. at like I think there's five of eight. Yeah, so I, I wrote them down. I where am I here we go. I have notes. Ooh. I have written notes. Ooh. Um yeah, so you get f- five of eight super regional matchups that are going to be against conference opponents or possible. Po- yeah, if chalk yeah. holds, that's the, right. that's the whole conversation. If chalk holds, if one seeds win, yeah, the SEC's facing off with each other. And I was listening to 11.7 earlier. That's a new, a new podcast out there if, you're, if you like college baseball, kind of the national stuff. A couple of former players talking about this, and that's what you kind of don't understand because they do these top eight. And you don't understand how Georgia Tech is all of a sudden the three seed. They've always been projected right. like seven. Like I've been waiting for Texas Tech to jump over Georgia Tech in those projections, you know, for the last few weeks, them and Louisville. Um, and then all of a, and instead of, you know, breaking some things up there in the middle, they just bunch and stack all the all the SEC teams too. You know, it just doesn't. It, they tried to say we rank everybody on merit, and then however the matchups fall, that's how they fall. Well, come on. You're in but that room. You, you're in that room for like 15 hours. Like, surely you're talking about who's going to play in the next round if they win. Yeah. So you you, you have that weird jump where where Georgia Tech moves up to three. Crazy. Which would be one of the super regional conference matchups against North Carolina mm-hmm. from the ACC, who they lost their conference tournament to, the conference tournament championship. So Georgia Tech won their division, but they lose the tournament championship to North Carolina, and they're seated above them. So let's. Let's get that rematch two weeks later. Sounds awesome. Yeah. There, <laughs> Cause like, I would definitely don't want to see them up against anybody else. Yeah. Um, so there were only, so just one quick, uh, I guess, tidbit of, of trivia here. Hat tip to Seth here on this one. Texas Tech, Oregon State, Stanford, and Arkansas are the only four teams to host regionals the past four years. So I've seen this a couple of times, and I think – those four have hosted three of the last four. Texas Tech is the only team in the country that's hosted four in a row. That's what I saw from, I think, from athletics. Nice. I think that's right. I, I don't want to, I don't want, I'm sorry to argue with that one, but I, I'm What's pretty what? sure that's how I saw it. That's yeah. I, I, I need even I need, better because I want Tech to be even better. Yeah. I, I need you to point out the inaccuracies, <laughs> factual inaccuracies. I am here to fact check you in real time. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look it up, though. I do want to know about that one. No, it's fine. So other Big 12 um, host sites, you mentioned Oklahoma State uh, came in at number nine. So mm-hmm. if Texas Tech wins uh, our regional, Oklahoma State wins their regional, we would be paired up in a super regional back in Lubbock. And then West Virginia snuck in at, what are they, 15? No. Uh, were that, they that low? That sounds right. Yes. They came in at number 15, so they are also a regional uh, host site. And from a Texas Tech standpoint, I think they have like one of the more interesting regionals to kind of keep an eye on. They, they're hosting um, two-seed A&M, which is not really a regional matchup to go out to Morgantown for them. <laughs> but wh- whatever, <laughs> what do I care? <laughs> whatever they can do to avoid <laughs> having to play us. Um, Three-seed Duke, uh, having played them this season and then last season in the, in the – Super regionals, and then they're four seed Fordham. Um, but of the other fifteen 
regional sites. I, I think for me at least, that's probably the one I, I, I would, I'm going to keep an eye on the most. The rest of them, like, I care who wins to kind of track how everything's going along, but that one I think has the most interest to me. Um, I think it's interesting, and there's no guarantees in that one. I mean, Duke could get hot. A&M, as I said, great pitching, but not a lot of, of offense. So, I mean, I think there's some interesting matchup things to look at there. Also, something I, I just looked at, there are four teams in the 64 on this page that have ties. On their season? Mm-hmm. Omaha, Oregon State, A&M, and Coastal Carolina. The Coastal. Chanticleers. Yep, the Chanticleers. National champions from 2016? Yes, that's correct. Yep. I remember playing them like mm-hmm. that was not fun. Um, <laughs> they were great. They were great. No, they team. were obviously really good. Uh, other Big 12 teams that made in the tournament, Baylor comes in at a two seed in the UCLA regional. Yeah, that's a tough draw. UCLA has not lost a series all season, and they have not lost a midweek game all season long. They have been kind of the – I mean, Vanderbilt was up there before them, but they're kind of the undisputed number one of the season. They're really, really strong. Um. Yeah. So that, that, that if you you make it through your super regional, you're then paired up with that super regional winner. Yeah. If if you see chalk holds, yeah, and you go to the College World Series, your first game would be against UCLA. But similar situation last season, to where you played Florida. Yeah, you played Florida and knocked them off. So mm-hmm. eat it. Anytime, anywhere, buddy. Hey, you said Omaha. One interesting thing about Omaha. So obviously they're in Omaha. Creighton is in Omaha, and they're the actual official host school of the College World Series. They play at TD Ameritrade. And then uh, Nebraska, all of those teams made the field of 64. And I don't, it's been, I don't know the actual years, but it's been a long time since they've all been there in the same, in the same tournament. All planned for a chance to go back home. That's right. Whereas we're like, we're going to Omaha. They're like, we're going home. <laughs> yeah, woo. <laughs> but like still playing and going home. Yeah. Um, another team of, of interest from, I guess, your season this year, Michigan is out there in the Oregon State Regional. Um, as a three seed, we touched on Oklahoma State as a, as a regional host at number nine national seed. They've got UConn, Nebraska, and Harvard. And Oklahoma State, so their regional is being hosted in Oklahoma City at Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark because they're they've had so much rain. I mean, it's like knee deep water in their outfield. So they. <laughs> well, moved. See, I just figured that they, they were already closing down to begin tearing, tearing down Alley P. So that was the interesting thing. Yeah, Alley P. Reynolds Stadium. It's the the end of it, but kind of disappointed I think for the team because they had used this send off regional for Alley P. Stadium as like a motivator. To, to host there one last time before they open this new ballpark, and then they didn't get to. And Josh Holiday has been making videos, like begging fans to come to Oklahoma City and show up and make noise and even like explaining it. Like, hey, there's no walk-up music, so you have to bring the energy. And it, it's kind of an interesting dynamic to kind of beg your fans because they obviously didn't show up for – the Big 12 tournament, but you know, you would think that they would come. And then at the same time, kind of to add to the whole storyline, the women's college world series is at the same time as this regional in Oklahoma city and Oklahoma state's in that college world series. So their fan base is a little split. Yeah. Well, and they'll have a lot of reasons to be there, you know, if they actually want to support their schools. So it's uh, and then, and the Nebraska piece of that is interesting too, because Nebraska played 
Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament championship, and they drew 18,000 fans to that's, come watch that baseball championship. That's a big game. Yeah. So if Nebraska decides to travel, that could be a home game for them in Oklahoma City and not for – I'm sure that's why Josh Holiday is out there making videos. Begging his fans, hey. We, <laughs> we need you. <laughs> we need orange in the stands, not red. Yeah. Um, other – Conference opponents, uh, TCU is in the Arkansas Regional as a three seed. Uh, another one of those things like maybe, maybe not have, should not have made. <laughs> I mean, they're running the tournament, and the conference tournament bumped their RPI up like 18 spots right there at the end. But if they're the number one that the nation is pointing to and saying, how in the world are they in and not a Texas State or – uh, UC Irvine or things like that. Yeah, because no, sorry, I, I was getting them confused with uh, UC Santa Barbara because they were up pretty high in the RPI there towards the end of the season, and they're a two seed out there with Stanford. Yeah, the Gauchos, um, they were talking. There was some talk about them at one point if they had won out in their conference. There was some talk of them hosting, and they're they're a team that's been to Omaha. I mean, they've been around, uh, and so is UC Irvine. Who I saw, I saw somebody on Twitter complaining about them getting snubbed and I wanted to be salty and say yeah but here's all your problems and I went and looked at their resume and it was really good other than their other than their um record against top 25 because they had barely played any I mean they took care of business kind of up and down and did did everything they really could so yeah it's it's always disappointing for those and then your, your final conference opponent uh obviously we, we've already talked about them West Virginia out there hosting Texas A&M, Duke, and Fordham. Um, were there any other regionals that, that kind of caught your eye that you're like, you know, I, I'd, I'd be interested to kind of follow that one throughout the weekend or you just really concerned about what's happening in Lubbock and I'm, I'm don't con- really care yet? What's I'm concerned on. about Lubbock, but, I mean, it's always fun to watch good baseball. I think the Louisville regional is really interesting. Louisville's the obviously the one seed. They're hosting Indiana, Illinois State, and UIC. Indiana and Illinois State were two both really good teams this season, so I think that's an interesting one uh, kind of going on around. Um, others that were – others that really caught my eye, not so – not really. I mean, I think you were right, though, that West Virginia is a is an interesting one. It's always interesting to see A&M when they're kind of back up and how they're going to act. Duke, of course, we have a little history as Red Raiders with them, and then you can kind of see what they're doing. The Nashville Regional has some interest to it. Indiana State was another good team this season, and Vanderbilt is is kind of a buzzsaw this season as well, although they have stumbled here and there a little bit more. Plus, they have some of the ugliest uniforms in college baseball, in my opinion. So, hey, there's a power five at, at a four-seed Ohio State. That's right, yeah. Sorry. I, I, no, you're good. I was looking at that bracket. I was like, what are you just talking about this? Yeah, but they won their conference tournament, so yeah, that's where they got it. Um. It may be too soon because I, I don't remember it, it really catching a lot of attention until uh, right around the super regional time. Is there a this year's Tennessee Tech? Is there a, a team that like it's going to catch everybody's attention, whether it's because they just blast a lot of home runs or they're really good at one thing and it's really visible? Or are we going to need to check that out next I'm, weekend? No, no. I, I'm, I'm just kind of running down the list thinking. I don't, I don't think so. Arizona State, I know that they're a Power 5 team, but – Spencer Torkelson is an absolute home run machine for them. So they'll be one that people notice more, especially if they get hot, you know, the bats. Stony Brook, the four seed in that Baton Rouge 
regional is is another pretty good one. The four seeds can always surprise people. You know, Tennessee Tech, man, their offense was wild. What they were able to do last year, they hit like a hundred something home runs, right? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It was like not even close to the second team. No, yeah, it was way out there. No, there's nobody that I've heard of, and there definitely could be those. There's nobody that I've heard, you know, really making that much noise. It's also so hard because, of course, theirs was just so stat heavy. But there's some, yeah, they've had a good season. You know, like I said, Stony Brook had a good season, or UC Santa Barbara. But then when you get them in with everybody else, you don't know how they're going to stack up. You know, sure. that's what's hard when you kind of split up that competition. But why I like this tournament, because you do get to see, you know, ideally you get to see teams actually play each other rather than freaking conference opponents matching up once again. Yeah, so before we look at the Lubbock Regional, we, we had touched on, we mentioned that there were five of the eight super regional hosts, matchups, pairs, whatever you want to call them, that potentially could be uh, conference opponents, rematches, whatever. Um, the one sixteen super matchup: UCLA versus Oregon State. Um, Three fourteen: Georgia Tech, North Carolina. Four thirteen: Georgia, LSU. Five twelve: Arkansas, Ole Miss. There's a you know all those teams stacked together. The SEC schools you're talking about, and the eight nine: Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. So, as you pointed out, if chalk holds true, if the top seeds move through. You get five conference rematches, which I, I guess regionally, like you know, in small pockets, that may have more interest than a a Texas Tech Duke matchup. I mean, I, I don't know if if people. I just think baseball could do better than that. You know, I think I think it's more interesting than that. And you have two hundred ninety nine teams. Why do you want to make conference opponents play each other? Not that chalk's guaranteed. No, not at all. But right? I mean at least plan for better matchups. And the guy from the committee said that, and and he's a, a coach, he's a national championship winning coach that, that chairs this committee now, but he said, well, those, those places are going to be electric for that super regional. Well, an SEC school hosting a super or a big 12 school like Texas, Texas Tech hosting a super is going to be electric anyway. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter who's coming to play. It's postseason baseball. You don't have to manufacture that by making it a – an in-conference storyline. I mean, that was just a mistake all the way across. Yeah, that Texas Tech um, College of Charleston supers were just phenomenal. Yeah. And nobody two, even heard of them. Two one-nothing games? Yeah. I mean, you, come you, on. You get like that, that wild Devin Conley catch out oh, in center. Oh, man. Ugh, I can't. I have the audio on my computer right now of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's let's look to this weekend. Uh, preview a little bit of the Lubbock Regional, uh, Friday through Monday, or possibly Monday. Tech is the one seat, obviously, Dallas Baptist, Florida, and Army. Dallas Baptist is a, is a team you've played fairly regularly over the past few seasons. I think you played them last. Uh, it was late last season, wasn't it? It was your last midweek game, and they smoked you. That's always fun. Yeah. I was really glad not to see them on the schedule this year. And guess what? Yeah. They're on the schedule. And they've been in in the Lubbock Regional before as well. Um, Florida, you've you've met them. Yeah. Past two times, you've gone to Omaha. Mm -hmm. And in basketball postseason. And basketball postseason. Kind of building a little rivalry there. Um, And then the sneaky four seed in Army this year. Uh, when I was listening to your, your preview talking about uh, beware of small ball with, oh, with, yeah. with the Black Knights, which we'll, we'll talk in a little bit. Um, they're one of those teams that like 
going to be a, a difficult out. And if you somehow slip up against them, could just really wreck your regional because oh. it, it, it could just throw everything into, into chaos. Like, well, you know, anybody can advance at that point. Yes. If the one seed loses game one. Um, so yeah, the, the rotation, I, I, I don't, haven't heard if it's been set yet. It's way too early for Tadlock to be releasing it, but probably like, I mean, it, it could look something like Micah Dallas Friday, Caleb Killian Saturday, Bryce Bonin Sunday. Mm-hmm. If you go to a fourth game, would you go back to Dobbins or are you looking for somebody else or? I would bet they would go Dobbins. Montgomery, Montgomery's not your option right now. Um, you're not going to go to landing most likely unless they have some crazy, you know, <laughs> Duchetter <laughs> mixture that they decide they want to put together. But, uh, and, and, you know, that was something on one of my episodes with Mike Gustafson we talked about. I had a listener question if we would see that. And he was thinking I – th- I could be wrong now. I think he was thinking Bonin and Montgomery back then, like just straight right-handed gas with with this lefty, you know, power lefty freshman. And he thought that it was more likely to be with Lanning and somebody, uh, which I thought that was interesting. And now you're kind of wondering maybe Lanning does need that. But I think you stick with your – you know, my, Labar asked about this in the Slack chat. I think you stick with your rotation. I mean, I think it's working. You like what everybody's doing. Dobbins looked great the other night. He may not go quite as deep as others. You can also limit some pitches if you really want to, like on Dallas. If you're, you know, if you beat an army pretty well, if the bats are going and you want to hold Dallas back a little bit, then you have him available on a Sunday or Monday, you know, on short rest. I think that would be reasonable too. And I I don't recall watching tech baseball, you know, over the past several years and feeling better about a bullpen than I do right now. I mean, you have a really, really good bullpen, tons of power arms coming out of there. I mean, I think you got to like how things look here in the regional, you know, for them. I don't think you have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to the rotation. Just out of curiosity, is there a bullpen arm that concerns you? Like, like you see him coming in, like, is Tadlock given up? <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, but Caleb Freeman feels like this year's kind of John Henry Gonzalez, maybe we're throwing in the towel. I mean, he used to be – Last year was so much fun. He was hot. He was electric. He had the the mullet going. You know there were and the mustache, right? Yeah, and the stash and in the supers there was there was a shirt that everybody somebody had made. Party at Freeman's. It'll be super. I mean, <laughs> you know, had a, a silhouette of him, but he has not been the same guy this year. He apparently had a good summer in the Cape, and that we've barely seen him. So he's a guy I feel like is kind of eating innings when they put him in. Um, but a guy that you really think. What are you going to get from him? I think is Ryan Sublet right now, because there's times he's come in and thrown 98 and just been lights out, and there's times he's come in and struggled a little bit more. So out of the pen, that would be the guy. He's kind of where John McMillan has been before. You're not exactly sure what you're, which guy you're going to get, you know. When and I love that John McMillan's the guy now that comes out and he's just yeah, killing was, it. He's doing a great job. I, I I remember having that conversation every time he came. I was like, which McMillan are we getting today? It's because like you could tell almost like in warmups, like mm, maybe maybe we need to be warming somebody else up already. <laughs> yeah, there were times my buddies and I sitting there. I mean, first pitch if it's high, uh, you know, and we're like, oh, he's not going to get it in. And 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 I think he just and a lot of that I think was mental with him and it seems like he's really found a way to settle in better, so whatever he's doing it's working. But yeah, he's looked he's looked strong. And I can't remember the time the time before the TCU game that I'd watched McMillan pitch, um, but I, I remember leaving that game like you know having lost a game, being like, man, that was a hell of a that was a really fun game, 
And McMillan was just like lights out. Yes, he gave up the two runs. Uh, oh, you're talking about the long inning game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, he was great. But you're like, dude, like, I, I, I want that. Yeah. I mean, his his 100-mile-an-hour throws were, mm-hmm. were balls, but, like, still. <laughs> but still. <laughs> that's a mental thing for the batter. Like, you yeah. look up, and it's right there in, in, in his, his line of sight. And like, it was high, yeah. Crap, that's yeah. three digits. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and um, you know that he has it. You saw him do it last year in the Supers against Duke. I mean, he came in in a huge situation and and pulled it off, you know. So I'm glad that it's that it's happening. I think he's he's still like Tadlock has always said he's a huge weapon. But now you just have a lot more guys that can do that. More guys with that kind of power. Beater's another guy. If you want to talk about a little bit of concern, he has continued to struggle. Mm-hmm. At one point, Tadlock said he was working on some mechanical things and that he'd be fine. He'd work through them. Well. We've kind of seen him continue to struggle. Certainly not in that lights-out closer that we saw earlier in the season. Uh, and, you know, he always has been the kind of a guy that will walk somebody, work his way out of it. At Texas, he really had to work his way out of a lot of stuff that was terrifying uh, in that win game. But, I, I mean, I think he's still a guy you want to use, but you hope he's putting it together a little bit more too. Yeah, and then I, I think the guy that when you see him come out, you're like – we got this has to be Floyd. This Oh, Taylor Floyd is money. And I'd, I'd put Connor queen really close now that he's healthy again, too. He's looked really strong, but yeah, Taylor Floyd has been lights out. Unbelievable. And then, and you knew it early in the season because Floyd would come in and maybe give up a couple of runs, but get like seven strikeouts. I mean, he was just kind of the strikeout machine. And now, I mean, yeah, he's, he's got, a, he's your top reliever. He's your top, top guy of the pin right now. He's all, he's also really fun to watch. Like at the end of an inning, when when the, they record that last out, especially if he like had to work out of something, so fiery. Oh yeah, he's like screaming in, mm-hmm. in the dugout, like not jumping, but like he's animated. I like that a lot about of fun to watch. I've always liked that about Connor Queen too. He's a guy, he runs out of the bullpen at a dead sprint, <laughs> and and it's just hilarious with his whole look. He is a really fiery guy. I mean, he ran that out all the way to first for no reason yeah, at all. He sprinted. It yeah, out. it was fantastic. And then another guy with a lot of – and McMillan, of course, we all know is real fired up. But another guy I've always I've, – I've really started to like his personality is Micah Dallas. And I've noticed when – on his off days when he's in the dugout, you know, he pitched the day before, if somebody will hit a home run, he'll jump up on the dugout fence, the little retaining fence in front of him. You know, he'll jump up on that like the bullpen is out in the mm-hmm. – out in the uh, – on the wall. So I just – he seems like a funny guy and like a, a dude that – and I think Tadlock's talked about it. Nothing bothers him. Like you can tell, he just has that personality, just a, you know, water off a duck's back kind of thing. So, I've, it's fun to get to be there a lot, and you just pick up those little things. You can kind of just see little things from guys, even if you're not interacting with them one on one. You know, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think Floyd is, whoo, he's strong. <laughs> yeah. It's been, and you don't know. I mean, you start the season and you're like, who's Taylor Floyd, who's Noah Huerta? Like, there's all these guys. Who's Trey Garlett? You know, you don't know who these guys are, what, who they're going to be. And then now here you are in the postseason, and you're talking about, you know, one of those that's unbelievable, and, you know, the other two you've barely seen at all. Yeah, so if, if we look at the the, the Tech offense, um, you don't have the power hitting that, that uh, Florida and Dallas Baptist has in terms of uh, total home runs. You – of the, of the four teams in the regional, you have the highest average uh, at 301. Um, with the park being so hitter-friendly, do those home run numbers from Dallas Baptist or Florida kind of alert you to like, we got to be careful with these guys because... 
More with Dallas Baptist than Florida. Um, because Florida, I mean, maybe I'm just over, maybe I'm overvaluing the stats, but they look horrible. I mean, yeah, they, they, they don't have the pitching to match up with their hitting where Dallas Baptist, like they have some lights out pitchers. They do. And they have some really strong bats. Um, you know, you, you talked about their, uh, I believe he's their designated hitter, Bryce Ball. Yeah. Uh, 308 average, um, hitting 17 home runs. Uh, slash line 308, 603, and 428. Like that's like his his on base plus slugging is is greater than a thousand. Yeah, which is like that's, that's Josh Young level. Yeah, he's got he's twenty second <laughs> in the country with seventeen home runs, and he's also twenty ninth in the country with forty seven walks. And so it really is kind of it's like the best of Zach Reams, you know, combined with Josh Young this year, who is drawing a ton of walks. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy that's just yeah, he's doing whatever it takes to get on. So, and then. Ball is not their only great hitter, but they've got the pitching to go along with it. And I don't know the the rotation. Um, you won't you won't face Dallas Baptist on Friday night. You, you'd play them if both you and them won, or both you and them lost. Yeah, you'd play them on Saturday. You, you play some. You play them on Saturday. But there there are two starters you probably see Friday Saturday. M D Johnson uh, is nine and two on the year, two forty six ERA. He's lower than a one WHIP, point nine seven, which is how many. What's that average of how many guys get on base? Walks and inning. hits, walks and hits per innings pitch. Yeah, yeah. So he's less than one guy gets on base per inning versus him. And that's so well. And like you were just saying, and I'm stealing your stats. That's a .97 WHIP in 91 and a third innings yeah, pitch. 91. Like he's done a he's done a lot of work. Yeah. Um, he's only given up seven doubles on the season. So yeah. when 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 they get contact, it's it seems to be fairly weak contact. And if it's a hit, it's not going very far. And the 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 sunshine pumper in me wants to say, yeah, but they're playing in the Missouri Valley Conference. So I also do wonder, because they are a solid program, and they have pushed you and beat you before, and they have a little bit of history since they moved to D1 in 2004, but you wonder, have they faced the bats in the offense of Texas Tech? And, you know, I don't I think they have quite yet. No, but still those numbers are like, it's hard to just completely discredit that. Like, well, no, they're, they're yeah. That. Yeah, no, he's conference. producing. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing 105 strikeouts to 20, basically 100, 100 strikeouts to, to 20 walks. Right. Um, and then the other guy we're talking about, Jordan Martinson, also has around. He has a two five ERA, just over. It's a 1.05 WHIP, so really close to the same as MD Johnson. He's thrown even more innings at 93 and two thirds. Same kind of area in terms of strikeout to to walk 108 to 25. So he's he's striking out. Even more. Well, and you talk about Johnson only giving up those seven doubles this season. Texas Tech's 16th in the country. They've hit 122 doubles on the season. They're averaging over two doubles a game, top 15. So if anybody's going to push them from an extra base hit standpoint, the Red Raiders can certainly bring it. Yep. So you would see them possibly uh, – well, you would – it's a possible matchup on Saturday, but you – and Dallas Baptist have to have the same result. You have to either both win or both lose. Yeah, if you both lose, you'll see them Saturday afternoon. You both win, you'll see them Saturday at 6 p.m. Then the three seed, which will get Dallas Baptist first, is Florida. Um, they, like we were saying, more on the offensive power side, don't have the pitching like Dallas Baptist to kind of go with it. They don't have anything else but offensive power. <laughs> they hit home runs, and their slugging percentage is good, and everything else sucks. It's it's just a flat out. <laughs> yeah. So they, they as a team. I mean, they, 
when I was going through, I, I picked out their two highest uh, average and home run guys, Brady McConnell and Nelson Maldonado. Um, they both have double-digit home runs. Uh, McConnell has 15. Maldonado has 10. Um, everybody else kind of like that three to eight range. So like they're, right. they've got somewhere as, you know, you look at the Texas Tech lineup. There's a lot more disparity there between like you've got Josh Young, Cam Warren, and then like everybody else. It's right. kind of all bunched up where there's a little more spread around. Um, their starters were a little bit harder to project because one, I didn't go way back into their, their, their box scores and look at them. I'm looking at their better ERA guys with a, a, a bunch of innings pitched and I came right. up with Tommy Mace. Um, he's eight and four in the season, just under a five ERA, 1.4 whip, uh, 88 in, innings pitched, 73 strikeouts to 38 walks. So about two to one. Yeah. Not the five to one ratio you get from right. the Dallas Baptist guys. <laughs> um, and then Jack left, which five and five, just under six on his ERA, 1.52 whip. Um, next highest innings pitched guy at only at 55. So they, they have a bunch of guys uh, in that like 30 to mid 40s range. So it looks like they, they just kind of go with like a, a lot of relievers. Lots of Johnny Allstaff. And yeah, and mm-hmm. they probably have some starters that get run early and they're having to constantly work these dudes in. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are the Gators. It would be fun to to eliminate them, but that also means that you're also facing elimination at that point. So maybe not. Right. Yeah. Unless I, you get to like. I think there's a game. real possibility they're the first team out of this regional. I mean, they're not good. And I'm not trying to rag on them. I mean, they have a ton of history. Kevin O'Sullivan is, a, is truly a good coach. But it, when you look at national rankings, they're top 25 in home runs with 70. They're 35th in the country in their slugging percentage with 452. But that's being propped up by home runs because they're below 100 ranked in all of their extra base hits. They don't steal. They don't walk. They don't strike out. Or they don't get strikeouts. Their ERA is terrible. I mean, it – it's horrible. They don't turn double plays. Um, it's just they don't play small ball. Like they're below two hundred in the country in sack bunts. Like they just don't. They don't do much of anything. It seems like. And Maldonado that you mentioned is one of only two uh, All SEC players. He was first team All SEC, and then they had a freshman, their first baseman. And other than that, no selections, no awards. I mean, they just had a really, really lousy season. I. Without having to go through like all the scenarios to have this set up, I do want to have them eliminated, uh, twenty sixteen Omaha style, where like we get like a, a noisy <laughs> to Fulford throw at like a, an eight two put out at, at home, and just just kill their hopes there. At the I'm, I'm good with it. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, Noisy's had a few eight two put outs this he, season, he, especially he, recently. Yeah, he did. He at least one in the, the TCU series. Yeah. And maybe he had one in that he had one in the extras game. He might have had one the next day too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're of course talking about Tyler Nesloni in left field gunning down Jonathan, Jonathan India, India at second base. Yeah, and seven two. That tag from or seven four. Yeah, that, that tag to from uh, Michael Davis was just like inches away oh from my gosh. from India being safe. It was um, just the fact too that it was Jonathan India. You know that was the that was the extra well, I, part of it. Well, I didn't know the story with, with, with Indy. I just know that. It, there's no no beef with him. He was just an exceptional player. Oh, I mean, okay. he was one of the most well known players in college baseball at mm-hmm. that point. So I mean, there was just I mean, he has a great name. Great names always help. Yeah, you know, for people to know who you are. Jake Mangum is very well known <laughs> in college baseball. So, but I, I, I've been a fan of that uh, John Shambi call of that play too. It's also just 
Really it's so long. I mean, I have the I have that audio too. I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> it's like a minute. I mean, he just lays it all out there. That, that was. I can't remember which episode it was. It, again, recently we were talking about, or, or, or maybe it was in the Slack chat. We were talking about some of our favorite game winning or series uh-huh. clinching plays, and that, that you brought up that one. I was like, that has to be what up there for, especially for baseball. One of my favorites. Yeah, it was, and I have a bunch of this stuff that I've hoped at some point to use in my show or like you know work into an intro or whatever and so yeah that's that's one of my favorites it's long and it john shiambi's the the voice of the braves is he not i don't remember where he's at now i think that's right you go ahead i'm gonna look that up uh and then we're gonna talk about your first game friday afternoon against army the black knights um they play in the patriot league you found out who they played against Nobody really of note besides Navy in terms of name recognition. Yeah, yeah, there's not many that you're going to recognize in the in that league, but yeah, Navy uh, is the other kind of power, you know, that you see in there. Um in terms of average that they hit the lowest of the four teams, uh it was a huge difference in home runs. There were 30 they hit 30 fewer home runs than you did. They only hit 27 on the year. Or you hit 57, both Dallas Baptist and Florida both hit 70. Um, they do have, you know, a really solid, like number one hitter. Uh, and I, I'm going to butcher his name. So I don't know, but it's, it's, like a, it's Jake. I, it's French. And I looked it up on a YouTube video. It's Jacob Erdebees. Erdebees. Yeah. Um, I still probably said it wrong, but that's fine. Yeah. So he, he's got the, a, a 550 on base percentage, but he steals at just an incredible rate. He's attempted 52 on the season. Um, been, been safe on 45 or has has stolen 45 bases on 52 attempts right um he's also batting 383 yeah so he he gets on a lot Mm -hmm. um and then the other hitter anthony jachin giachin yeah i went with i think i went with giachin i'm 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 sorry dude anthony yeah tony um (laughs) tony (laughs) he's hitting three three twenty three uh five eighteen 413. I've got six home runs and a 67 RBI, which I think is the big number that kind of catches your eye because yeah. he's up there with Cam Warren in terms of RBI. Um, because this this is not a team that that hits for power like like even you do. And I'm not saying you're you're a power hitting team. You do have some power numbers. Right. You're not leading the conference in that, but they're doing it by getting guys on, getting them over, and getting timely hits. Um, you had mentioned on, on your episode they're they're really good at making the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think and one of those things where they're they're gonna they're gonna scratch and claw their way to get as many runs as they can. Um, in some maybe unconventional ways, uh, you you had mentioned you know talk about uh, the sacrifice itself that you're you're using your outs strategically to move guys around and 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 plates and runs but yeah they're fourth in the nation they have 55 sack bunts on the season so i mean and, and i'm sure especially if they're moving guys around they're going to put you in those situations where you have to make the right defensive decision you know where they're going to be you know squeezing and and suiciding and and really trying to to put pressure on the pitcher and the catcher to make plays and i mean if there's one thing for me that texas tech has a, a bit of a deficiency yet it's catcher and that's not to say Braxton Fulford's not excellent because he has been. It's that there's nobody behind him. You know, mm-hmm. you don't feel confident when Menzies catching. Stillwell really doesn't catch much. You know, you're using him more as a DH, and and he did catch 
a little bit in the in the Big Twelve tournament, but it blew my mind at TCU that Stillwell caught or that, excuse me that Fulford caught a fourteen inning game and, and came then back turns on out and starts in the front, next game yeah. yeah and then catches the game after that. Yeah. I mean, I really thought oh we'll see him late innings he's going to rest a little bit nope which says a lot to his conditioning mm-hmm. but that's going to start to I mean especially with a team like this you need somebody that is money behind the plate and that and a pitcher that knows exactly what to do in in a lot of situations so because they can they can put pressure on you for sure so I, I didn't see it live when it happened but I heard them uh, I heard them talk about it on the radio today that there was a a defensive shift um and one of the I can't remember exactly which game it was but they actually had Parker Kelly and Josh Young switch spots so Young moved back to third Parker Kelly moved to, to short on a a bunt attempt hmm. um and I, I I can't remember you know I it may have been West Virginia and it may not have been a successful bunt attempt like whether he, he got to two strikes and had to swing or whatever it was do you think Young is better in those kind of you know the bunt's coming to flip him with Kelly or or to, to have a shift on where they kind of switch spots in the yeah. My guess, well, one, and if you know the bunt's coming, you think it is, then, yeah, I mean, your shortstop's not really in on that play. And they're probably thinking Young has way more reps coming down the line and barehanding if he needs to and mm-hmm. throwing on the runoff balance, which that's definitely the guy that I would want doing that. So that's probably and what they're thinking And he did that this about. weekend. Yeah. yeah. He, he had a barehand throw. Uh, well, obviously it was a throw, but a barehand field of a, a ground ball and just immediately up to first. Yeah. And there's there's nothing more fun than watching a third baseman that has done that a thousand times and that's so good at it. There's a commit going to New Mexico next year that, and I've seen him do it a lot in high school baseball. I mean, charging that ball off the bunt or coming uh, like a comebacker that's just next to the mound or something like that. That whole area between the mound and the foul line. I mean, on on the charge, <laughs> yeah, on the charge, on the run. Just beautiful body control makes it look easy, kind of stuff. That's the those are the guys you want there in those situations. So I could, I didn't hear that, but I could totally see, you know, making that swap in a kind of a shift. That makes a lot of sense to me. But Josh Young and I have to, I'm eating crow a little bit on him because I've talked about his arm not being as strong, and now I'm kind of comparing it to like Michael Davis, who has a monster arm, uh, but he has really flashed the arm strength at at shortstop. And he's he's been really excellent. He's been deep in the hole and made some really nice throws. Yeah. So I I because I don't have the experience the 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 watching time <laughs> that, that that you have invested. Are you um, saying I sit in my chair too much watching baseball? No, no, no. no. It's just that you, you you've you've committed some time to I watching have, tech baseball. I have. Um, I I've always been impressed w- with Josh's arm going mm-hmm. across the diamond because there were just times you're like. You know he's deep in the hole, or like just even in line with the bag, just rears back, uh, and, and Warren, he doesn't have to move. Yeah, and, and the ball beats the runner like by a mile. I think that I'm probably holding him to a higher standard because he's Josh Young. I think that's part of it. In my mind, I'm holding him to a standard of if you're the superstar caliber guy, if you're the top five pick kind of guy, then that's a tool that you probably need to have. Totally honed in. And you're right, though. There are times that he's really made some throws. On the Dinger Derby Facebook page, like the cover is a gif of him making two great throws last year. You know, two great defensive plays. Is he going to say a gif? Is that what you're going to – you could correct me. No. <laughs> but – and I agree with you. But I've also seen him one-hop a few that I thought 
hey, that's a throw that you should be making, you know, a little bit easier for Fair. your first baseman. But um, – and I said going to short, like that will play a little bit better for his arm. Uh, but he's surprised me. I think that there's more there than I was giving him credit for. I'm also just – I always kind of compare in my head because I sit by first. I saw a whole lot of balls come in at like 120 miles an hour from Michael Davis. And so yeah. there was just – and sometimes they came in the stands, you know. So <laughs> there's that point too. Um. It just it's 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 kind of strange to see Josh Young at shortstop because he's not a shortstop. No, or like he doesn't have the body of a shortstop. No, let's put it that way. He's not the no little five seven one eighty dude that. And that's not something that I'm going to apologize for. He doesn't have the first step quickness of a of a true shortstop like you're talking about. I mean, he doesn't have that. Uh, not that he's not very athletic and good, but oh, yeah, yeah, you're missing that little that little piece. Not that it's burned him, you know, by any means at this point. But he's definitely not a guy that Tim Tadlock would recruit to be a shortstop. No, not in his classic kind of. I mean, he likes a rod looking dudes over there. Yeah, we've seen um, Orlando Garcia. Yeah, that's the first guy I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Garcia was there, um, and not that Davis was small, but he 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 started over there for a while before being moved to second. Uh, he was out there, or Klein was out there at second before he and and, and no, sorry, he was at short with with Gabe at second. Yeah. Client was at short with Gabe Holt at second. Yeah. Yeah, before that move. And then, yeah. Yep. Good times. Um, <laughs> to, to wrap up the the Army preview. The, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. That's one thing about these about this current uh, infield defense, that middle infield that I really like, is the chemistry between Brian Klein and Josh Young. I think that has been probably the reason you haven't seen any errors. Because those two, I mean, they're obviously good friends. They're the two kind of most outspoken Christians on the team, and they spend a lot of time together in that aspect of their lives. They're the guys before that are warming up together. They're they're, you know, playing hot potato together. They're doing all that kind of stuff. You can tell that they're both really good friends, and that chemistry means a lot, you know, for second and short. Well, and you see that with with a team being, well, I think it was, you said third in the country and double plays turned. Right. So, which like, surprised me. I had no idea that they were turning two that much. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a lot of six four three. Four, and it's six, been a three. lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot of that. And 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 you've got some outfield guys getting in on those on those doubles too, <laughs> which is always nice. I mean, playing aggressive. And pitchers too. I I remember it was it was one or two in the TCU series. The the gr- the group of hecklers that sits uh home plate side of the dugout. That's actually the hecklers. Okay. Like so, the the real tech hecklers. So, you know, how they will call out like like a f- Four six three, or mm-hmm. six four three, whatever, depending on who's up to bat, um, and it ends up being like a one six three. It's like, well, that'll work yeah. too. Just your standard <laughs> one six three double play, no big yeah. deal. Um, sorry, back to the mound for Army though. Um, again, you, you see their starters are like, even like comparing to the Florida is just it's almost not fair. Like they're not even in the same league as. Uh, you know, you got Daniel Berghoff. He's five and two on the year, uh, two eighty five ERA, uh, one fifteen WHIP. Um, like I said, nowhere close to the numbers that the Florida guys are putting up in terms of Florida have been way worse than than Army. Right. Um, eighty two innings pitched. Uh, this dude has thrown eighty two strikeouts, twenty one walks. So he's he's good for four to one uh, strikeout to to walk ratio. Which is plus, right? You, you want to be better than two to one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because two to one's kind of like 
okay. average, yeah, yeah, you're like, eh, that's good. Yeah. Way, um, way to not be worse. <laughs> but f- four to one's good. Um, and then uh, Tyler Giovinco, Giovincho, uh, is eight and five on the year, 343 ERA, 1.28 whip. It's thrown almost 90 innings. Um, he doesn't have the strikeout numbers. He's 66 to 19 walks, uh, but still has that, that three to one ratio. Uh, you're probably going to see Burgraff on Friday night against, you know, uh, Texas Tech. Yeah. Or, sorry, Friday afternoon because you play them three o'clock. You get the first game, which didn't make sense to me on the, when that first was coming out until it was described that um, you get the extra rest if you yeah. win that game. That I think get. that's a Tadlock preference yeah. is what that ends up being. I think he wants that game. I asked you earlier, you mentioned when we were talking about that Nesloni call, I asked about John Chiambi. So he is the guy I was thinking of. Um, he goes by Boog. He's at uh, yeah. So so when did that happen? I don't know, but he's uh, he's the Braves guy. So the the reason I bring it up because there's an amazing video the other day. They have Chipper Jones in the booth, and they're talking about a time when he was playing. I'm a Chipper Jones fan, and they're talking about a time when he was playing. And during B, uh, BP, Shiambi's got Jones on a headset, and he's just asking him questions, you know, like pregame or whatever. And he's like, hey, you know, why are you swinging at so many first pitches? He's like, you, you've not been getting a lot of first pitch strikes, so why are you swinging at them, you know, if they're not strikes? And he's like, well, that's probably the only time I'm going to get a fastball. And so in the game, and they show it on the video, they're sitting there telling the story. Chipper Jones goes up to bat and takes the first one, and it splits the plate, and he turns and he looks up. <laughs> At the booth and just stares down the booth like. And so they're That's telling this, about. Yeah, they're telling this story and he's like, "You're up there and I'm down here." And Chipper Jones is like, "You have no idea the string of words that was going through my head because I was so mad at myself because I let you dictate my at bat, mm. you know." And Josh Yavi goes, "Well, if anybody's wondering, we did really well that bat. We we walked. <laughs> we came back from down 0-1 and walked, and then we ended up getting stranded." <laughs> And then when he came out, like when he went when he went out and was heading back to the dugout after getting after getting uh, left out there, he was like waving both arms at him in the booth, and so it was amazing. <laughs> All right, so what, what's your your thoughts, uh, projections, predictions on this weekend's regional? Um, I think Tech's got a, a obviously as as the host a great chance opportunity. Sure, you're expected to, to to make it out of this. Um, you are a little concerned with having to get past Dallas Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you also could get some help from Florida if they can figure something out. <laughs> I don't feel hopeful. Well, no, but. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I'll say that I think Tech should beat Army on Friday afternoon. I mean, yeah, Army has some weapons. They're going to scrape. They're going to they're gonna do everything they can. If Tech's swinging it, I mean, if they're putting barrels on balls, they should, they should be okay. I mean, I think they can push that pitching. I think that um, they can, you know, as long as they're scoring some runs, I feel like they'll be all right. And I think their defense is strong right now too. Um, I don't see Florida jumping up and biting Dallas Baptist, although they're a Power 5 team. They've got a ton of talent, I'm sure. I mean, they were a College World Series team last year. So, you know, it's a possibility. But I think Dallas Baptist is the team to beat in the regional from Tech's standpoint. But you don't think Florida gets past Army? (laughs) So like if, it depends if, on how the tech game goes. If, if tech rolls through the entire army bullpen, you know, if they're just throwing the kitchen sink at the Red Raiders, then I think that that Florida might take them, you know, but I think if 
if that game is, you know, if they kind of throw in the towel, if Tech gets up big and they just have a guy kind of eating it up or, or whatever and they reserve it, there's a possibility that Army could take them down. And I would and love Florida it. Florida would be the first one eliminated. I would love it. <laughs> I would love it. But I do think, yeah, Dallas Baptist is, is not a team to underestimate. And I don't think the Red Raiders will by any means. I mean, you've seen them before, but they're, they're salty. Yeah, they're tough. Um, and I also wouldn't freak out if there's a loss to them. You know, I think the Red Raiders have the depth in pitching and the bats to come back and win them and, and beat them and win the regional. But, um, you know, I know if there's a loss that the first thing I'm going to get is a bunch of texts from my friends that say we suck. You know, so. <laughs> What are we doing? We're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. So, and you just don't want to get into that 2017 situation where you have some junk baller throwing 60 Gosh. mile an hour, you know, 285 pitches on the weekend or whatever it was. So. I'm I'm still like confused how you couldn't oh, hit those. I don't. It's like it's like BP man. Just in just, in between the fact that we had like eleven rain delays or whatever it was through that through that regional, it's like the baseball was hard to even keep up with because we were out of the ballpark so often for thunderstorms. But okay. man, that was that was brutal. So I I didn't get a. That game happened the day we closed on selling our house in Hobbs. Mm-hmm. So I had to listen to it or try to like have, have the game up on like the iPad, whatever. But the drive surprisingly between Hobbs and Lubbock is not riddled <laughs> with, with, uh, with dead spots, with Verizon coverage. Oh, oh okay. So like you, you just don't, it was shoddy at best. Yeah. Um, so was the play. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously being a hundred miles, hundred miles out, like you don't get the radio signal. Yeah. By the time we got close enough to get the radio sick, it was like you. It was ninth inning. You're like, oh, crap. Yeah, this it is was. Like, it's not gonna go well. It was. It was frustrating, to say the least. And you had a very talented team. You did. So that was. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's get to some questions. I don't know if there are actually any questions besides there's some food takes. We got to set Rob Bro straight. Oh yeah. All right. Let's just <laughs> talk about this. I don't know if it's Rob Bro or Carson. Probably Carson, because all bad ideas on the Rob Bro show come from Carson. <laughs> Oh, see, I'm, I'm, well, I don't know. Cause they, they started off when, this morning I was in the car. They were talking about, um, all sips of burritos and appropriate toppings. Okay. And he was talking about mu- mustard and the taco sauce. Not, Together? No, but like alternating. No. So I was it's like, it's just taco sauce. If you want mustard, it goes on a corn dog. <laughs> One, I've, I've never had an all sips burrito. I mean, what? I, Not just, even a chimichanga? No, it's just like oh, me man. never seeing an episode of Game of Thrones. It's just or... a gut rocket. No, it's not. Because that you lived in New Mexico. How have you never had an Allsup's burrito? Like, don't I, tell me there's anything else to eat in Hobbs. I I worked across the street from an Allsup's, and I oh my gosh. never went. Yeah, I, I I was in Allsup's all the time because we for a paid membership program we had. Like, we had to submit checks to corporate, but I would accept cash payments. I'd have to run across the gas station. <laughs> get a get a money order. That's amazing. And then come back. Yeah, I, I, I your Western I, Union stop. Yeah, I'd been there several times, but um, so yeah, they they put this um this poll out, Pulse of the People, this morning. If you could only choose one grill appetizer, go to. Rob Bro says jalapeno poppers versus the field. Um, I voted for anything else. Yeah. Only because, and not because I don't like jalapeno poppers, but because I was throwing in wings on the grill yeah i love grilling um, wings or, or even smoked wings anyways but when i did keto i had a great grilled wing recipe it was awesome so rob says wings over poppers though and i and you weighed in wings on the grill they're just undercooked 
peppers with runny cheese. That's all it is. And it doesn't matter if you do like the whole jalapeno and fill it or if you do like the I half my jalapenos and fill them with cream cheese and wrap them. Right. You know, how how I normally see it. Yeah. But if you cook them on the grill, they cook too fast and it just turns into a just a uncooked mess. You got to cook them in in pans in the oven and they cook in the bacon grease. Delicious. Yeah. And you can do that in a smoker, but it doesn't usually work on the grill. Yeah, so Blake Edwards comes in and he says poppers on the smoker is actually the best way to have them because it's it's lower. Yeah, it's low and slow. Well, when I used to when I tailgated for football, I have a I have like a stand up rack smoker, like an old. It's like a it's basically a smoking oven, so it's got four racks in it. So I do the same thing. I do poppers on sheet pans in that smoker, and basically it's still baking them. It was the same thing just with smoke added, but they're not good on the grill. I don't think. Carson, uh, because you're going on the Rob Rose show on Friday, correct? I am. Yes. You know, he fires back. This was this afternoon. Friday just went from a regional preview episode to a grill off with Keith. <laughs> so count me in. I'm going to show up. Um, I'll, I'll have some credentials on as, as some kind of unofficial judge. I like it. Um, not that they've invited me or <laughs> even know who I am. I, I, I've met Rob once at a chili cook off. <laughs> Right, he's a good, good dude from what I he's remember. He's a good dude. He, he made some fantastic venison chili, um, but yeah, they, yeah, I'm 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 gonna show up. They're, they're like, who are you? <laughs> oh, I'm 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 with him. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Michael fires in. Uh, where's your favorite place to sit in a ballpark? Um, I am super partial to sitting by first base. One because you see a lot of plays happen there. And then at Tech, because that's I like to heckle there. And so I like heckling first base coaches and first base men uh, and pitchers from that side. I like heckling our own first base coach. When I, uh, Hunter Redmond was fantastic to heckle. We'd get him rolling. Uh, Goot doesn't give us nearly as much. We get a, we get a thumbs up from J-Bob once in a while. But uh, it's just fun over there. I like interacting with Cam. He's a great, great guy over there at first base too. Um, if it's not – here, if it's not here at Tech, I'm game to sit wherever. I do. I'm a little bit partial to first. If I can get great seats behind a plate or something, I'm not going to complain about that. But at TD Ameritrade, when we went to the College World Series last year, the final game against Florida, we sat about nine rows up behind the plate, and we went down to the front, at, and it, some seats were vacant, and we went down there at the end of the game towards you know those final few outs, and that was awesome. I mean, that was the best kind of seating experience of our time there because. You're never gonna. We were never gonna be in a place where we could heckle. It just wasn't gonna be in the cards for us. So yeah, it's a big enough field. It's it's tough. Yeah, it's big and <laughs> yeah, the way they're built and it's just not the same. And in Frisco this year, um, we were basically the front row down there by the dugout. But then it was awkward because you're at field level, which is something so tech. Close. Yeah, it's something tech doesn't have. Yeah. And so being at field level, I mean, I was looking like down the door and into like Mississippi State's dugout at one point, and so I was getting a bunch of jeers and looks from them which just made it awkward like i don't need them to be anonymous but it just was weird yeah um so i i'm with you i prefer to be on 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 the first base side i I don't think it i'm not one that has to be behind the plate um so my boss has a ticket behind the plate that she's offered me a a few times this season i'm like that's a great seat, but like I don't want to be right there. One, because I don't want to be on TV. Like, because <laughs> like, like, like with three hot dogs in your hand, <laughs> just making a mess, dropping something, or just like screaming at at the umpire. Because you know that that makes a difference. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, that, I mean, that's also one of my favorite things. At first, there's a few umpires those those Big Twelve crews that come through all the time. 
we get to know some of them. And so some of them will, will interact with us. Some of them even talk to us, which is kind of fun, you know, and we'll tell one that we like his deep athletic stance and he'll like geriatrically move his legs around and, you know, <laughs> pretend like his back's hurt when he tries to stand up. It's fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I, am not a big, I don't know why I'm just not a big fan of sitting on the third base side. Um, no, I'm not either. And the big, like the big league parks, outfield's fine. I, I don't, I don't have a preference then which side I'm on. Yeah. Um, but because tech doesn't have outfield bleachers except for regional, super regionals and the ones that they do put up are like exclusively in the sun, the mm-hmm. entire game. Like I don't yeah. want that. No. Um, they do put a bar out there though now. Nice. So used to you could come and go out of those bleachers during the game. And now I think they put a bar out there so that you just have to stay. You can go down, get something, and go back up to your blazing hot seat. Yeah, that's that's rough. Um, Michael always asks, since West Virginia gets to host a regional now, what should they include in their gift basket to Tech? <laughs> um, how about... Let's just finally admit that John Denver doesn't belong to West Virginia. He belongs to Texas Tech. Hey, that'll work. We had him when he was John Dusseldorf or whatever his name was. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I would say that like maybe a dropped fly from the, their center fielder every now and then would be nice. <laughs> Dude was like taking away extra yeah, base hits he was. Like, all weekend and it was rough. So I mean, fantastic player but like not that we need to extend this any but if you're sitting behind the plate you talked about being back there making a mess whatever so what's your favorite ballpark food at tech or otherwise um i mean it's hard to it's hard to beat just like a straight hot dog i agree um having said that though this past series when i was there for tcu tcu i went down to that that grill um that's further up the first baseline towards the track. Yeah, yeah, it's, yep. it's, it's not under the, the bleachers. It's actually out towards the parking lot. Right. And I got their Frito pie. And yep. That's what I was going to bring up. Nothing about that Frito pie is actually a Frito pie except for the Fritos. <laughs> that's Be- true. Because it's not like like a chili. There's cheese. no chili. Yeah. Because it was like barbecue beans, uh, pulled pork, brisket, sliced pickles, jalapenos, onions. Like there, there was shredded cheese, but there was also barbecue sauce. Uh-huh. Having said that, those were fantastic. It's awesome. It's the best deal at Dan Law Field. I, 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 I'm, I'm about best deal, but it was all, it was no, I mean, really good. It Cause it's like, well, it's nine bucks yeah, it was huge. and it is a huge play. I mean, it's a, it's a meal, yeah. you know, cause I'm, I'm with you. The hot dogs are way better than they used to be. I appreciate Kirby co-cut for listening to my show and hearing my, my hot, hot dog appeals early in the season, but yeah, they're way better and they're cheap and that's great. But that thing, when I go and I'm like, okay, I'm actually eating my meal mm-hmm. for this part of the day at the ballpark. I go for that because it is a full on meal. I put mustard on it sometimes. It's great. Yep. I mean, it really is good. So that was the first time I I, I saw it on Thursday night. Um, Thursday night and Friday night, I'd, I'd gone there. I had eaten dinner before I went to the game. Saturday, um, because I'd seen it, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to hold off and I'm going to eat there. And I got that. It was did not disappoint. <laughs> it does not. It's good. I um, also like, um, it, well, in my kind of top that I've ever had, I used to get into Chicago dogs at the ballpark in Arlington. There was one vendor that I would get them from that I really liked them. Um, but when we were at the college world series, I got, we walked in for the Arkansas game and it was in the afternoon and we hadn't eaten and we just kind of started scoping it out and we stopped at this place that had uh, ribeye sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So like hoagie chopped up ribeye with peppers and onions. 
And, you know, it's ballpark food. Like, you don't know what to expect. I think we got a beer with it, and it was like 13 bucks altogether. One of the best sandwiches I think I might have ever had. Like, I could have got this at – I would have paid 15 bucks for this at Chili's with, a, with fries. Like, it was great. And nice. that was when, there's, when all the uh, Red Raider Club surveys went out. I use that as an example. Like we can do that, better. That, yeah, I like, like that. that. Well, or or that's obviously possible at the College World Series. You know, where there's twenty five thousand people coming through. Surely we can do better than some Double Dave's pizza rolls with no or pepperoni rolls with no pepperoni in them. You know, like surely we can do better at, at Jones AT and T Stadium. Sure. And at the ballpark because at that time they were pre wrapping hot dogs and yet soggy buns and all that. And and it's the food's gotten a lot better this season. I think. Yeah, so the other I I'm I've had the popcorn and I've had nachos and it's just like yeah. meh. Like it's the hot dog or it's that massive Frito pie. Um th- so th- that grill also had some other options that were interesting. I haven't tried them yet, but there's like a sausage wrap. They had like a massive corn dog that also sounded good. Um the big corn dog's good and they have some fajitas there that are pretty good fajitas, at that one. Yeah. That's where I normally go for concessions cuz I sit over there. And so, yeah, that's a, there's a couple good options there. So it, it's hard for me to, to get away from where I, I just normally go to the one behind home plate because mm-hmm. I, I come down those stairs right on the first base side of home plate. Yeah. The, that first side. Of, and then you they got, walk like right out the gate. Yeah. yeah. You've got like the, the five concession stands on, on the one side and then you got like the beer just to the left. Um, you know, and they sell hot dogs and nachos and popcorn and whatever. It's mm-hmm. just easy because I'm. I've gotten a lot more into keeping score this season with yeah. with, with that, that book that you introduced me to. Um, so I don't like to miss much of the game. Mm-hmm. So like I, I try to run out like towards the end of the visitors time up to bat. Yeah. You know, if I miss like a few ground outs, I'm like, okay, whatever. I yeah. catch up later. Um, so like usually I'm just, I'm trying to get down and back to my seat as fast as I can. Do you do the stats thing from the, on the, on the app? Because um, that's always an easy way to catch up if you miss something. That's what I use. No, I was using Labar because he, he was keeping up with it on, <laughs> on the app. So like there were times like, hey, you know what they say about that or you know whatever. But no, I, I personally I was not also using my phone to keep I gotcha. up with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm glad you like that book, and I, I know you guys talked about it. I use the radio book when I do high school baseball, but I use the same book you do when I go to the ballpark. It's, yeah, it's so much easier to. To walk around with. So th- this is going to be a, a story for another time since we're running as That's long good. as we normally do with, with Michael, who never stops I was talking. Say, has it been like four hours yet? Or? Almost. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know if you've covered it in your podcast yet. Um, it may be like a post-season storytelling time, like how you got involved in calling high school baseball and uh-huh. how that came about. Because I... I I would at least like to hear about it. I don't know about anybody else, but I, I would like to hear about it. Um, so we'll have, to, we'll have to talk about that later. Um, I will say there's uh, – I've recently found a couple podcasts about sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And, and I really kind of found them because, like, Brian Haney's on there and Jeff Haxton's been interviewed, things like that. And Jeff Haxton has really gone through some, like, difficult times as a broadcaster. Like, he's really stuck with it through some tough times. It was interesting to hear – kind of how it's gone for him because he's he's really had to kind of hang in there. And that show is what? What's, what's it called? Let me pull him up since you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> One's called The Voice Behind the Voice. Okay. Voice Behind the Voice. Um, yeah, so I think we mentioned it, in uh, at least in the basketball season, um, 
both Haney and Haxton, at least for me, took some time to get used to. Like, sure. I, 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 oh, like, everybody does. Yeah. I was not a big fan of, of Haney when he first started. Like, we we got into it. Air quotes here. He, this was back when Tech basketball was just god awful, and he was like. You know, he was imploring fans to come out for the Kansas game. He was like, at the very least, you're going to see a good Kansas team. He's like, you wouldn't be saying that if you weren't from Kansas. <laughs> and he fired back. He said, it's a great, it's a great atmosphere. I was like, whatever, dude. You're just saying that because uh-huh. it's, it's your team. But he was, he was working for Tech. Um, and then, you know, he was gracious enough to come on on the podcast. And I, I, I kind of talked about that with him before. He's, yeah. He's, yeah, had a good time with that. And then Haxton... Um, it was like the uh, the guns up three ball. For some reason, that graded me so hard. Like last yeah. year, I was like, I can't stand it. But like now, it's like that's fantastic. And yeah, the audio's muchacho thing. And, and like, unfortunately, I got like monetized like away from him. Yeah, that, that sucks. I think but. he pulled it back. But I mean, not that he's making a bunch of money off it. But he talked about that in the interview I listened to on that voice behind the voice, where audio's muchacho came from mm-hmm. and how it first happened for him, which was interesting. And then um, it's funny you say that because Haney and I met and kind of got to know each other because I was texting in throwing shade at him during a like double T one Oh four three broadcast mm-hmm. back then. And he texted back, you know, and I'm like, Hey man, just kidding. Like it was just kidding around, you know, cause you know, on text, you just, and, and on that text line, it's horrible. People oh, say yeah. it's like YouTube comments on there. So yeah, but it is, it, those guys are different. It's funny though. Cause Haxton was saying he hates catchphrases and now he's a guy with catchphrases in two sports, <laughs> yeah. you know, because he, cause what happened is he saw people enjoyed it. And he's like, well, when they enjoy it, you know, that's that's what I'm here for to entertain them. And so he just kind of stuck with it. I think it was interesting. I encourage you to listen if you're into that kind of thing. It's it's good. Yeah. One's called Voice Behind the Voice. The other one's called Say the Damn Score. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a website. Saythedamnscore.com. That's that's so funny because like there are sometimes we'll I'll turn a game on. I was like, what's the score? Just <laughs> just tell me the score. <laughs> <laughs> what yard line are they on? <laughs> like, I know text up to bat, but like. What inning is it? Like, are we up? Are we down? <laughs> and usually, you can kind of tell by like the tone of their voice. Uh-huh. You know, like if if you know them well enough. I know if if Jamie's on the call, um, like it it doesn't have to be like out of hand. Like I I can pick up like oh well you know he's not like as into it so we must be down. Uh huh. Or, or you know something like that. But or like, we're way up. <laughs> <laughs> or we're way up. It's like it could be one of these two things. Um. But yeah, so I, I I'm gonna go ahead and steal that from my what we learned this week. These two podcasts, I'm gonna check them out. Yeah. Um. You have anything else to throw out there for what we learned? Do you have anything I else? I didn't prepare for this. No, I didn't even put in the notes. Sorry, I forgot. Left it off. So you guys always throwing shade at me because I have a yard guy. I've heard that, and you're throwing I, it at Michael too. I, yeah. I'm about so to, I'm we'll t- my what we learned is for your going yard. So I do have a yard person um, or a company, and they're supposed to come every Monday, and half the time they don't show up on Monday or like it rains or there's Memorial Day and then they show up on Tuesday. But I have no idea they're showing up, so I leave my dog out so only my front yard gets mowed. <laughs> they're also not trimming my bushes. I have this big like landscaped area all the way around my backyard. It's completely overgrown and they're not touching my alley. So I need to have like the confrontational phone call with the owner. You know, and I'm like, and my wife is at the point, she's like, it's not worth it. And I'm like, no, it's worth it. It's totally worth it to have these guys because I don't have the Saturdays or the Sundays to be out there yeah. doing it. But yeah, I do have somebody and it is, it is freeing a little bit of my time. I don't fault your hobby, but <laughs> I, so I was going to tell you, so we were on vacation this past weekend. Um, and so I mowed Wednesday night in preparation to be gone for about a week. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I was concerned because there are some spots in the yard that have been struggling because I, I, I put down two preventative applications of a fungicide too close together. And so like it, I, well, I put them down back to back and so I should have burn your yard. I did. Yeah. <laughs> in certain spots that are still struggling like two weeks later. Uh-huh. Um, looking at the forecast going into the weekend, seeing all the rain, I did not turn the sprinklers off. I'm going to just like water the heck out of this thing and try to push it through. I get back. I was like, Holy crap! I got a jungle. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to mow it tomorrow night, but it's it's gonna be a mess. Um, so don't if you're if you're on the preventative fungicide thing, don't put down two different preventative apps on the same day. <laughs> I don't know who's all there, who's with me on that one, but I like when the mushrooms grow in my yard because my wife thinks they're gross it's, <laughs> and it's funny. Well, it's, it, it's not even just the mushrooms. It's like like you're just you just get random brown spots. Oh, I see. And then those brown spots could also be from grub worms eating the roots under that grass, and that grass is now dead. <laughs> um. Anyways, I I think we've gone on just about long enough. Your party trick could be saying weird like yard chemicals, like just rattling them off off the top of your head. Would you like to hear some? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I was just thinking about propaganazole. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. We're way off the rails. I, we're hardly ever on the rails. That's true. That. Um, thanks for joining us again on the 23 Personnel Podcast. I want to thank Keith for joining us as we preview the upcoming uh, Lubbock Regional this weekend. Um and we will be back next week to review the weekend's action, hopefully getting ready for Super Regional. For Keith, I'm Spencer. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>